Welcome to Ransom Revelations with Mike and Steve, a place where theology and everyday life collide. The opinions expressed in Ransom Revelations with Mike and Steve are ours and ours alone. We're not seeking to make a documentary with incriminating evidence. We're just seeking to provide an avenue for us to express ourselves, tell our story, and help anybody who may be blessed by it. In doing so, we have changed some names and places for the sake of anonymity and to protect those who may not want their information given out. Welcome to Ransom Revelations. This is Steve. And this is Mike. This is a place where theology and friendship collide. Is that what we landed on? I think it was theology and life, but... Theology and life collide. There we go. We're a place where theology and life collide. Friendship collides with theology also. It does. It's a thing. True. But welcome to Ransom Revelations. Yes, welcome. Indeed. So our, like, eighth inaugural episode? Yeah, we recorded this entire series once before, <laughs> and now we're redoing it, which is time. completely irrelevant to everyone listening, yeah. everyone being our wives and mothers. Yes. That's basically it, just our moms. Yeah, pretty much. Um, which is good. Good times. So we, as friends, have desired to do something like this for a while, yeah. and since we've recorded it a few times and keep going back to it. It just seems like a fun idea to continue on. So we're going to take a stab at it. Yes. And our series we're hoping to start with is really a church church or abusive church leadership. Um, what else? Church leadership that's abusive. Yeah. Atmosphere, culture. Yeah, abusive churches in general. Um, being stuck in in a church that's unhealthy. I mean, there's all different levels of, you know, sort of unhealthiness there from just being moderately unhealthy all the way to being in a full-blown cult. Uh, For the purposes of this series, we're probably going to just stick with abusive church just because it's less charged than saying cult. And let's be honest, a lot of times churches that become abusive, they lack some of the key components of a cult. So yeah. it's just better to, you know, we're going to stick with abusive church. So. Well, the difference between spiritually abusive and cult is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and the propensity to meander into one or the other is pretty different. But they can feel very similar. Yeah. And the aftermath for the survivor is very similar. Yes. So ultimately, the less important thing is a designation, and the more important thing is the experience that people have within these contexts and um, how to recognize it, uh, what to do about it. Yeah. So the, the, the goal is to help, not, not to necessarily document our experience in and of itself, but to use our, our experiences, hopefully a jumping off point for other people who may be in abusive context to help know, number one, you're not crazy. Yeah. Like what you're seeing is real and it's bad. And maybe put some names to it, and also maybe come up with a game plan to like escape. It's good stuff. So, as a preface, we both work at churches, um, which we've done for how long have you worked here? Four years. And I think I've been at my church for about three. So, what's your role? Was a general? I'm a technical like? director. So, and how deep does that go for you, Mike? What do you do? Um, a little background on it. I am held responsible for the technical elements of the service. So (laughs) (laughs) So AV sound. Yes. Yeah. AV sound lighting. The glitter um, button. 
Yeah, don't well, don't sleep on the glitter button. It's <laughs> important. That but, and the crystal ball that we have, the yeah. disco ball. The Urim and Thummim. Yeah. For the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I oversee that. I oversee some volunteers and employees. And, uh, our, you know, our big game day, of course, is Sunday. Yeah. So a lot of stuff leads up to that. And then we have special events that I help with. Um, and it's a full-time gig. So... Which is um, a blessing. It is actually, yeah. It's uh, it's with everything I've been through with the abusive church and everything, it can be a little overwhelming sometimes, uh, just because of how that's affected me. But um, overall, it really is a blessing. Good. So, yeah. And how about you? You're what's been, your title? Been at the uh, church I met for four years too. I think three or four years, and started as the facilities assistant, but now I'm the facilities manager. And like you, deal with a lot of volunteers have a couple of employees under me and it's just keeping the church up and running Sunday is the big day but for us it's also all the other small events of set up and tear down making sure our bible studies can function all the events can go off without a hitch connecting with our you know vendors calling out the man when I have to to trim up a tree or fix the electrical or the AC or whatever nothing tends to happen when you want it to as emergencies go but such is life did you guys have uh, any AC failures during that heat wave? One. Oh, okay. And it was in our special needs class. So it was like the one room where you kind of wish it never happened. But yeah. they were able to move them to another room, so it worked out. Oh, thank goodness. So, but yeah, it didn't necessarily break down, but it wasn't working. Mm. So it was one of those situations. It's an older unit. Anyway. Yeah, we had... Uh, it was fun. We had all the main sanctuary uh, ACs go out during oh, the dude. noon service when it was hundred and. 12 five outside yeah, whatever yeah, it, was. it was it was ridiculous people people get up and leave or do they stick around some people left because that, a that's, good number of people stayed that's pretty hot yeah it, I it mean, does, that's when they start to fail yeah it just is they can't handle it yeah it's just so so much so and we have older units so anyway yeah yeah that's always fun i was waiting for the power to just shut off yeah but that didn't happen yeah so. not yet no and what's the craziest thing or funniest thing you've experienced working at the church? Um, one time during a funeral, someone had a slideshow for their funeral, and they had a picture of themselves, like several, a real a section of the reel was them in full clown regalia. That's epic. And we were working, the, I was working the funeral with someone else, and God bless the person who had passed away. Like, I don't mean this at, at all at against them like i get that was part of their life but it was unexpected and from the booth like i saw that and i was like <clears throat> I, it took everything in me not to laugh yeah that was very rough yeah that sounds like a uh, a sketch from a from a senate live episode or <laughs> yeah, something. it does it, it sounds like something you'd see on yeah snl or monty you, python's flying circus I or think something you should leave or something um <laughs> Haven't had any more snakes recently. With where we're at, we're a little more rural, even though we're still in the city. And you saw the video of the two rattlesnakes I caught. Yes. And put them in a trash can and relocated them, which that was exciting. How'd you get them in the trash can? With a stick. Man, you're I brave, just, dude. You just lay it down in front of them and you kind of push them in. Well, the, the thing that helped is they were mating. So uh. they were stuck together, so they couldn't really do as much, which was really weird. But I was just able to shove them in the trash can and relocate them. But yeah, they weren't happy. Although I'd be pretty upset if somebody was poking me with a stick when I was in that action too. But you know, it's just me. Yeah. It would not be a pleasant experience. No, that would not be preferable. 
<laughs> but that's the way it goes. I, so I can relate. Well, sort of. <laughs> Maybe not completely, but I can. So it's <laughs> a little bit about Mike and I. We've known each other for creeping up on 20 years. Yeah, I it's think. coming up on 20 years. Yeah. And that's really the source of where we begin this short series um, on abusive church leadership and what that looks like. A couple things. A couple things to mention is um, we've changed a couple names because one of the persons we'll be talking about he's known to be litigious. So for the Definitely. sake of uh, of not get, getting a cease and desist letter, because I don't think it'd go much further than that, but then we'd have to change things up. Yeah. At the, we don't want to poke those rattlesnakes, so to speak. <laughs> yes, the, the meeting rattlesnakes. Yes. Don't poke them with a stick. Um, so Pastor Tom's who we'll be talking about throughout this series. And that's really where Mike and I met. It was at a little church here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. I had just graduated high school that year. And had you been walking with the Lord before you went to that church? About or? a year. Okay. Never consistently went to church because we as a family weren't really involved in a local church. We would go to Grace Community Church on Sunday where John MacArthur teaches, mm-hmm. but that's a ways away. Yeah. And so we ended up finding this church closer to home and started attending, and it just was a good fit. That was a part of the draw also, as Pastor Tom uh, professed to be a graduate from MacArthur's Seminary. Yes. And um, we'll get into it, but I don't know if that was true. I don't think it was. I think he attended. Yeah, I don't know if he finished. Yeah. There's a little fuzziness there. Yeah, we a lot of that came out later. We'll get to that. So I was 18, 19. How old were you, Mike? I was 23. Three or twenty-four. So I had been saved about a year, and ish. I just maybe I, two. I had been raised in church and professed faith over and over again, and then fallen away really hard. Where I was like on drugs and all kinds of just agnosticism and atheism in my heart and all this stuff. And I was I had one of those like Paul on the road to Damascus experiences, and um, God just totally turned me around, and I had only been, at that point, if, I don't know when to call my actual salvation date, it's confusing because of all the sin I lived in, yeah. um, but at that point, from the time I God grabbed a hold of me, I had probably been walking with the Lord for about, I don't know, maybe eight months okay. by the time you and I met, I think, maybe a year. So that's a... Kind of a theme also as we look at abusive church leadership is they prey on those who are newer in the faith, who lack understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we fit in, both young men who wanted to grow in the faith, wanted to grow in truth and righteousness and seeking to learn more and more doctrine, more and more scripture. He, he, am I correct in saying that Pastor Tom really kind of connected with us to help us quote-unquote grow? Yeah, I think he could see we were hungry to learn and uh, connect with people who were further along in the faith than we were, and I think he took full advantage of that. Uh, What his motives were up front, I don't know. What they ended up as was really just us ending up being kind of 
I guess, like, feed for his narcissistic personality. I don't know how else to say it, but we were like, yeah, he used us like to stroke his ego. Yeah, to stroke his ego, basically. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. So that that's how it ended up. Um, but it began seemingly in pure motives all the way around. It seemed like he was sincere about just trying to help us uh, grow in the Lord. And so to take a step back then, what was the context of him coming to this church? Were you there for that? Because I came, he was already established there. Yeah, um, well, let's... We, we should probably keep this part a little brief just because we're going to do a whole episode on it. Yeah. Next uh, next episode. So we'll get we'll get into it briefly and then we'll expand on it next episode. But um, that church was ready for a new pastor for quite a while and they had just called him uh, as a pastor, I think, a few months after I had come to the church. So I think I might have been at the church, that church, a little longer than... You were, though you had been, we both got saved around the same time. I think so. Yeah, and I had been at that church for a while, and then they called this guy, Pastor Tom, um, and he was just starting to preach Sundays on his own as the new pastor when you came in, I okay. think. So that that's how I remember it. Around that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes in, he's seated in the church. People are accepting him, trying to get to know him and his family. And when I came, as we've learned, there seemed to be issues already occurring. What were some of the things that hindsight has shown you he did at that church? What is some of the abusive... um, Some of the abusive attributes that he showed at the beginning... Before, because the church split occurred. Right. Just before the church split, how'd that look? How'd it feel? What was the atmosphere like? It was one of division and all surrounding him and his personality and his teaching. He, in hindsight, with being you know more mature in the Lord and seeing different things, having gotten out of it, um, he made what I would now consider to be important but secondary issues. He made them primary. Um, he had a tendency to die on every hill every and emphasize everything equally, as if everything was the most important thing, yeah. which is not really biblical, because the Bible doesn't do that. Um, and he started trying to establish a culture of... Um, elitism within the leadership so that the leaders and really him as the head pastor was considered to be the supreme ruler and everyone else was just sort of there to just imbibe his wisdom. Yeah. You know, and... Um, A lot of arrogance for sure. Yeah, and it, and it didn't start that way. He started off seemingly humble, um, pretending to submit to the elders, um you know, putting up, quote-unquote, I think in his mind, putting up with um, being kind of told what to do and probably in his mind being pushed around, even though <laughs> in reality is just being a human and, yeah. you know, having to work with other people. Um, but in his mind, because of his view of the pastor being the supreme ruler, uh, 
I think all that stuff was very grating to him. And, and by the, as soon as he could possibly try to push that yoke off of himself, he, he started trying to do so. So with him pushing that yoke off, um, the culmination of that was the church split. Mm-hmm. So what was it called? Black Sunday? Yeah, we called it Black, Black Sunday. Sunday. And as we go deeper into our series, we'll dig deeper into what that looked like, what it was. But that was a day where he stood up in front of the congregation and confronted those that were, I guess, persecuting him. Yeah. Um, he felt were abusive in leadership, or he was calling out, however you want to phrase it. Yeah, he was... And it mostly was the elders yeah. and, and the constitution of the church. That's right. He said that... Uh, the Constitution was going to burn in hell. Yes, he did. He did. That was a direct quote, I believe. Yes. this That Constitution will burn in hell along with everything unbiblical in it. Yes. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. I remember that freaked a few people out. Uh, and then there was immediately a fight over the CD of that Sunday morning, which we'll get into later, but yeah. That was fun. That was uh, interesting. So we see... Um, we, we had a good friendship. I would say we had a thriving college group. We did. It wasn't perfect. There were issues, but there is with every college group. But I think we had a... I know we had a lot of good fellowship, good friendships. And then Black Sunday occurs. The fruit of his manipulation has really blossomed at that point. But we went with him. Church split probably a month-ish later, maybe two months later. Yeah. Officially. A lot of people left with Pastor Tom, mm-hmm. um, and we were some of the ones to do it. Yeah. So as we left, we felt that we were leaving with he who was right. Mm-hmm. And for me, some of it was we were newer to the church. We had been there three months, approximately. Yeah. Didn't know the whole situation, didn't know all the context, but understood that He's a master's guy from the master seminary, claimed to have the MacArthur seal of approval, had discipleship from MacArthur. And for us, not being deep in doctrine, you go with the brands you like and trust. And that was the brand we liked and trust, trusted, still do, um, but more discerning now. So Pastor Tom comes and we leave with him because we see, well, the brand that we like is moving on. These other people, there's a lot of screaming and yelling, a lot of accusations, mm-hmm. not knowing the full story, lo- lacking some discernment on my end. Uh, we ended up going to the new church that started. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of why we left with him. You, I know you had a little more of a struggle with going. What was some of that tension like? And what cemented you going to this new church plant, a.k.a. A church split, Baptist church split. Yes, Baptist church plant equals a, a church split. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. For me, I originally was thinking, you know, I'm going to go to a different church altogether. Yeah. I don't want to be involved with either, either of these groups because I see unhealthiness in a big way all the way around, and I should just find a new place. But then I had showed up to the church campus for something, and Pastor Tom found me and was like, hey, would you help me load my books? So I was helping him load his stuff up, and I was really uncertain about uh, joining him. But I think he knew I had technical capabilities, yeah, and he would need me. So he uh, invited me to the first elder meeting that 
they were going to have. Was that and, the one at that restaurant that used to be a Cracker Barrel? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Down in Cerritos. Yeah. Something like that. Seal yeah. Beach. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, I ended up going, and because I was so fatalistic at that point, because I was just starting to learn the doctrines of grace and God's sovereignty and everything, um, I viewed it as God's driven will that I should go since I was invited. Yeah. You know, then it must be God's will that I go. And since I was at the meeting, I thought, well, it must be God's will that I go to the church. So here we are. That Sunday I went, and I, I'll never forget, I was getting off of an off ramp to get on the street to go to that actual building where we were going to meet. And this Bible verse came into my head, and I know this was the Holy Spirit. And it was, I don't know the address, but it was a proverb that says, don't follow an angry man or you'll learn his ways and be like him. Yeah. And I wish I would have paid attention because. Yeah, it ended poorly. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. <laughs> it does. So you end up at this first uh, elders, quote-unquote, meeting or mm-hmm. leadership or whatever you want to call it. I believe I was there, too. I believe you were. And that's when a third friend of ours, he, I believe, attended, but different events occurred with him where he ended up leaving and staying yeah. at the previous original church. Yep. Probably wisely. <laughs> yes, I believe in so. In hindsight. They stayed. So it was formed out of a church split. Um, I was more willing to go. You were worked into it in some ways, just kind of the way the Lord allowed it. Yeah. And so I don't. I remember the first Sunday, and we bounced around from hotel room to ballroom mm-hmm. to hotel ballroom. Yep. We never were able to establish a secured location. Yeah. We did try. But in God's goodness, it never, it never worked out. Back then, it seemed like God's punishment, but now it seems yeah. like God's goodness. Oh, but Pastor Tom definitely secured himself a nice home. Oh, yeah. He had a very nice place in mm-hmm. uh, in Orange County. Yep. Uh, yeah. I don't know how that little church paid for that place or all those new vehicles he got. No. Or those dirt bikes. Or all the play equipment in the backyard. Yeah. It was a lot of luxury he lived mm-hmm. in off of a very small... Maybe 100-person church at its yeah. biggest? Yeah, I think at the biggest it was around 100 folks. It's peak, yeah. but generally more around 50, I would say, Yeah, on average. So it formed out of a church split. First Sunday happened, and it worked for what it was. Uh, with a new church starting, you have people who are excited to get it going, so you have a pioneer spirit. Mm-hmm. One guy was a woodworker by profession, so he made a custom-made pulpit. Yeah, that's right. Remember that? Um, another guy, you know, was gifted in like hospitality, so he would bring coffee kind of a thing. Yeah. People stepped up, um, as you do with new organizations, with the, the excitement that's there. And it seemed to go pretty smooth for what it was, all things considered. Yeah, I remember that first Sunday being almost electric. Everyone was so grateful to be on their own and at a yeah. new, in a new congregation with this guy. And, and to be away from the quote-unquote contentious people. Yeah. And not to say that at the other church, there weren't people who were wrong. We were just more wrong. Definitely. Um, but at that time, we assume we're the righteous and the right. Yeah. So there's an electricity in the air. The church continued on. It grew a little bit. It did. Mm-hmm. And that was from uh, the heart of inviting people, getting people over there. The style was an expository preaching style, verse by verse. Yeah. Very rigid. Hindsight proves that he was plagiarizing heavily. Yeah. 
And I firmly believe that we grew under his preaching because he plagiarized sermons that had good truth in it, Mm -hmm. and the Spirit used that. Yeah. So when he was plagiarizing, we actually grew. Ironically. Yeah. When he started trying to preach his own stuff, that's where it went off the rails. So a doctrine that he rested heavy in was regeneration and a perversion of it, preaching some truth, but Mm -hmm. then having a perverted application because he couldn't... He just couldn't make make good application with the lack of the spirit. Most likely, not a saved man. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell. It's above my pay grade, yeah. but I, I'm a. I, I don't know. I'm ambivalent, man. I don't know whether he's saved or not. I, I have a hard time either. seeing how he could be when he's intentionally taking advantage of people. Um, and we later find out that he's really taking advantage of people. Yeah, it w- so, widows and yeah. single women and mm-hmm. men um, really taking advantage of them. Yeah. So there was a great amount of good fellowship. And I would venture to say that everybody was probably saved except for maybe Pastor Tom. I mean, there was a lot of wife. people there that, yeah, I mean, there were some... That's the irony about it in hindsight is how many solid people were there, you know, so you had good fellowship, mm-hmm. good insight from other brothers and sisters in Christ. Except remember, he made me the college pastor for a while, and that was a nightmare. Uh, I was the worst, not college pastor, but I was the college group leader. I yeah. wasn't a pastor. Um, but I just made a terrible mess of that. I was so legalistic. And yeah, we had fun. <laughs> a good yeah. time was that by some. The, s'more, the s'mores were good. <laughs> yeah. We had that. But eventually, just a, a quick synopsis of that, I was college group leader for, I think, maybe a year or Ish, less. I'd say less. Until everyone complained to Pastor Tom about how crappy it was with me leading, <laughs> and he had to remove me and then hand it over to some older guys in the church who did a much better job with it. Yeah. Um, I think and, one of the elder sons. Yeah. And I, I literally had to, like, apologize to everybody. Funny, I don't remember that, but... Yeah. The things you know. Yeah. But I, it was, I should not have been in leadership at that point. And a part of that was one, you and I both had and still have a desire to do more in the church, Mm -hmm. exampled by, even though we're not pastors at our church, we are heavily involved. Our roles would be heavily ministry roles, facilities, and tech arts. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with volunteers, um, and it's an important part of the church uh, in our culture with what we both do ministry-wise. The church wouldn't function without our roles. Yep. God doesn't need us, but he's chosen to use us in this mm-hmm. capacity, and that's where we're at. And that that was in its seed at that point, wanting yeah. to be involved. And we were involved in tech. You led worship for mm-hmm. a time. I helped out with tech and set up, and so did you. Yeah. Um, so we had a pioneer spirit. We had a heart to grow, really a heart to love one another in a lot of ways, support this young pastor with his growing family. Mm-hmm. 30 kids, right? He basically was the Duggars. <laughs> not, not really. Well, I don't I know how had, many he ended up with. They had but, three yeah. there, and they had at least four, three more while, we were still, while I was still there. Mm. And maybe a couple more? I'm not sure. So he has at least six to eight. In that range, yeah. depending. So he has a heavy thrust on homeschooling, which mm-hmm. is what our brand at that time was all about. Expository preaching, mm-hmm. verse by verse. It's not a bad thing. No, no. And the branding of masters, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Every seminary has its thrust, and masters has some very good things about it. Mm-hmm. Every seminary has its issues, and so does masters, depending. Yeah. You pick what you need and where the Lord leads. And with all that, um, 
you have a foundation of trust that we really set into, and I would say most of the people there. Some of the more discerning ones or the ones that were heavily abused early on left. Mm-hmm. The guy who made the pulpit, there was a Sunday where the guy who made the pulpit got yelled at by Pastor Tom in front of a group of people, mm. never came back. And this guy wasn't a mature believer, a growing believer, probably. I don't know where they landed, how that ended. But it drove them out. And then the others who were more discerning, they left early on too. We just assumed that they were uh, not righteous enough or whatever. There's a lot of arrogance on our end. Oh, yeah. I speak for us because we've had this discussion. The other people, I can't speak for them. There was also the sort of perception being propagated by Pastor Tom and, well, mostly just by Pastor Tom, really, that anyone who left was potentially dangerous, potentially factious. Yeah. You should avoid them. Uh, they were kind of shunned. Health risk. You know, yeah, the, like health, spiritual the health, health risk. Church. Yeah. So. so that was really the seeds. Now, the manipulative behavior, the abuse did begin at the other church. We didn't experience in its full force because there was more people to receive the brunt of it. Being in a smaller church, uh, PT, Pastor Tom, had more, <laughs> had fewer people to pick on or choose from, and those closest just became the subject of his arrogance and abuse. Yep. So for me, I overlooked a lot. I justified a lot of it by culture. He was from a Southern state. I assumed that, oh, he's just Southern from another culture. So the way he talks to his wife is just accepted. No, it's abusive. Um, The way he treated people... It's just his style. No, it's abusive. And a lot of self-justification or justifying of it. Because you're involved in something that's uh, fancy, that's new, that's thriving, and you don't want to be wrong. And that's a big part of it, is not wanting to be wrong. And that's a cult mentality. Not wanting to be wrong, not wanting to have to eat crow, even though that's some of the healthiest things that anybody can do is be wrong and admit it. And for me, that was a lot of the reason why I stayed till the very, very end. I was there till the last day of that place. And it was it was unhealthy at best as being generous. Any other particular instances of abuse to dig into? Any other things that kind of shine as far as you know? Um, Maybe shine's not the best word, but there's several. Out. Some of them I'll save for the next episode. I'll give a teaser, though. Uh, one of the things I remember is I went away to Bible college and when I went to master's uh, university. And when I was getting ready to make the transition, I talked to Pastor Tom and was like, hey, I, I won't be able to lead worship anymore because of college. It's, I'm going to be living on campus. It's too far away. So, you know, maybe so-and-so can do it or so-and-so other person could do it. And I was in the car with him and he just got dead silent and started just staring forward as I was talking. I and I was that, like, I remember that face. I was like, uh-oh, this doesn't seem like it's going very well. And then he just lit into me and was like, you're just going to tell me you can't lead worship anymore? You're not even going to ask me what you can and can't do? I was like, okie dokie. <laughs> he was so offended that you you would have thought that I just like insulted his wife in front of him or something. Yeah. It was terrible. And he, he really lit into me. And it was at that moment that I knew I absolutely have to get away from this place. So that's when I made, I hatched my plan to use college as my escape route. Yeah. 
Um, and then that just got more and more reinforced as I was at Bible college going through the New Testament on my own with the Lord and the teacher of the class who was a pastor. And uh, I just saw more and more what was going on and it became more and more clear uh, how bad it was. But that was one incident that I'll never forget. Yeah, there's a few more. There's several more. We'll dig into a couple yeah. more. But that was what it usually led to. If he didn't see you as submitting to his will, to his authority, it became a problem very quickly. And he would make sure to let you know it. Unless you were a big tither. If you're a faithful <laughs> yeah. and large tither. Yep. And I believe that's one reason why he didn't do that to me as much, is my parents were healthy tithers. Mm. Um, they aren't... My, my family's not a wealthy family, but they were seek to be generous with giving to the Lord, and they sought to do the same here. And they still do to this day, um, where they go to church. And I believe that's one reason why I didn't receive so much nonsense is because of that. And I, we served a lot, so as long as we were serving, we were of use. So for me, it was a little different in that regard. Yeah, I had more utility, direct utility for the yes. church. Uh, but it that was, was something someone else could do. You were taking away the value that you brought, mm -hmm. and that was a problem because he didn't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. Where if he abused me that way, he'd lose not only me, but the tithers that came with me. Yep. So it ultimately sourced back to money and power, stroking an ego. That's what makes it difficult to believe if he's saved or not. Yeah. Not a one-off. We all have our issues. Everybody has their propensities, but you see... A desire to grow, you see a listening ear in those who are truly saved to pursue things of God and godliness, and mm -hmm. that was never really there. An appearance of righteousness, but a heart of wickedness always fleshed out when the will was not met on his behalf. Yeah. So it ended with you about a year and a half, two years before it did for me. Yeah. So you went off to Bible college. Yep. Stepped out of worship. How then did the thread of actually leaving and separating look? And what's some of the emotional transition that went in with that? Once I got into New Testament survey, um, about, mm, I don't know, two months in, and I started really realizing how bad it was, there was just this growing anxiety inside of me and this growing sense of dread of knowing deep down that I was in the wrong spot. I had chosen the wrong horse to bet on and I needed to get out of that place. But I also knew that because I was so involved, I wouldn't be able to just quietly walk away without having to have a confrontation with pastor Tom. Yeah. So, uh, it was building in me. I knew it was coming. I started attending other churches most several Sundays uh, because of being on campus and homework. So I started transitioning out by going to other churches around the campus area. And uh, eventually I had that really hard conversation with him, which I'll save for another, the details of for another uh, podcast. And let's just say it went as badly as I had expected. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and 
that's when I told him, I, hey, I'm going back to the other church that we split from, and I, I might as well have just smacked him across the face with a It's like you murdered, his, salmon. murdered his firstborn. I yeah, mean, pretty was, much. It was bad. Yeah, I, that was like a knife in the heart, and I knew that would be, but I also, that wasn't why I did it. I, I did that because I knew I needed to heal, yeah. and I needed to go back there because my grandparents had stayed at that church. And, you were living with for quite a while. Yes, I was, and I was alienated from them spiritually in a lot of ways, and it was really a strain on us as a family. So I knew I needed to make amends, I needed to go back, and I needed to spend some time at that original church. So that's what I did, and um, yeah, that was a, a while before. I, I don't know how long it was between then and when we finally reunited, or how long it was be, be, from that point until the... Split Church actually fell apart. Split Church fell apart approximately two years after that, okay. two to three. I don't remember the exact time frame. With uh, the way it worked out, I believe it was approximately five years after the split. Yeah. You left two to three deep. Yep. And then about five years it closed. Somewhere within that range. Okay. Time frame may be a little off, but it's eh, not like that. Close enough. So you left about halfway through, we'll say, maybe a little past halfway through. I was there till the bitter end. Mm. So I actually met my wife there, and then we got married and started our family, and our first son was born, and the ladies did not like Pastor Tom. Their discernment was <laughs> was raised high, and some of that was from the way he would talk and treat his wife. He was verbally abusive, domineering, very chauvinistic in a lot of ways. And would use the guise of this is biblical complementarian leadership. It was the abusive form of complementarianism. Yeah, not the kind, caring no. form of it. And it's the kind of complementarianism that pushes people towards egalitarianism. Yeah. And not to knock egalitarianism. I believe there are principles there and values in that brand of theology that hold warrant. Mm -hmm. um, I ascribe more complementarian personally, but I have some egalitarian leanings. Mm -hmm. Another podcast down the road. The ladies didn't like Pastor Tom because he was a jerk, and mm -hmm. he was a jerk to women. Pastor Tom, uh, he could be a smooth talker. He could get what he wanted, but he couldn't treat his wife well. I remember one time she had had a baby, one of the, the litter that they had, <laughs> um, and they she had put on a few pounds, but his wife was never very out of shape, but was heavier because she had just had a baby. And in front of me, he like pinched her love handle and made a comment about her being fat. Dang. And I believe she started to cry. I don't remember all the details. That sounds accurate. I've seen him do things like that. So yeah. I wouldn't, it, it, it sucks, but it, it sounds about right. And those were the kinds of things he would do. Now, it was different in front of me, I think, than it was for others in different contexts. But he would do things like that in front of people. He talked about how exhausted and worn out he was to the congregation after she had the baby. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, and he could never show up on time to his own Sunday services no, either. I, I remember one time, I was always, I, I'm notoriously early because that's how I roll. That's just my preference. I like to be 10 minutes early everywhere. And one time I was five, 10 minutes late to an evening service, and he made a comment from the pulpit about me being late. And I said, oh, well, the one time I'm late, you're early. And 
everybody lost it in the congregation. <laughs> it was like I was at the comedy club and we were roasting somebody and I told the joke of the night. Oh, I bet he was furious. Oh, he told me a, a bear was going to come out of the woods and eat me. Like, he, like, that, he literally told you a bear was going to come like out a, of the woods like and Elisha. eat you? Did he say that from the pulpit? No, he said it to me afterwards in private. No joke. Yeesh. That's the manipulation. And to this day, the, the bear has not shown. Well, I turned into a bear because of all the weight I put on. I'm like a, I'm like a hairless bear at this rate. I, just, I got all the hair. Yeah, I got the hair. I got the weight. I, I got to, weight too. We put us together and we could hibernate for six months and be fine. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for the bear to come out and eat me. But it was things like that. Jeez. Manipulation, abuse, words to hurt, but also words to put fear in you of God's judgment. Dang. And that wasn't and, just us. That was everybody. Yeah. And during this time, by the time I left, since I left, um, I was written off as a dissenter or a factious person. Yes, because you went back to the mm-hmm. you went back to Gehenna or yeah. Sodom or whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever you wanted to call it. Um, and since that was the case, it was f- you know forbidden that you should talk to me, and um, that's why we didn't really have any interaction for a few years just because that was the way it was. If somebody left, yeah. you didn't talk to them. You, you were told that talking to them was poisonous. It dishonored the Lord. It, it was unrighteous. And so that's where our relationship ended is when you went back to the original church, mm-hmm. that was like going democratic when you were all Republican your whole life, yeah. you know? <laughs> Or you're no longer a Trump supporter in today's world. You're like, well, you're no longer a part of the chosen people. And you had left the chosen land. Yes. And our relationship abruptly ended. Yeah. A couple interactions, but minimal. Yeah. And awkward. That was mainly because of me having a perception of, I don't want to be tainted (laughs) or whatever you want to call it. It was that attitude. Yeah, because I'm sure Tom had warned you, hey, this guy is... Oh yeah, you know. I remember how, on I don't his remember, way out or something. I don't, I, I don't trust him anymore. He could smell it coming. It yeah. was even before I left. Well, when you left, he told me that you were in a mutual friend's wedding that we knew from the previous church, mm. and that you had basically turned to the dark side by going into our friend's wedding, mm. and that was the beginning of the end. And you had been poisoned or whatever. So the relationship ends, and we had had, I would say, a fruitful relationship. We were pretty close. We were, because we really only had each other in a lot of ways. We were the only guys there about the same age. And there was very much an us versus them schema that was set up uh, by Pastor Tom uh, to make you feel like you were part of one of the few groups of actual saved people on earth. It's like you're the 144,000 in Revelation, and yeah. this is it, and we're a part of that. Yeah, and there were very few other churches that were actually legit, very few other groups of believers that were actually legit, and so it was just danger without and yeah. abuse within, and that whole setup made it really scary to leave. Yes, and that's a cult mentality. Mm-hmm. Manipulation. Plus, you lose all your friends. You lose your family. In some de- in yeah. some cases, depending on your your position or who you are. Yeah. There. And since we were in such an exclusive setup, or a setup that was being labeled as so exclusive, 
it was you, me, and a couple other young people at the church, and that was it. Yeah, late teens, early 20s, yeah. those around our age, mid-20s. And and we felt, I know at the time, I felt like we we were like... Scraping heaven's door. Yeah, and, and, and we were just... Heaven's gate? No, in there a, doing, you know, doing God's will. Uh, it felt like we were brothers in arms, you know? And the one thing it's done is it's made me empathetic and sympathetic to those who are in cults. Though I wouldn't say we were in a full-blown cult. It had cult mentalities, and I understand the deception. Mm-hmm. I understand the attitude in this us versus them. We yeah. got it. You don't. It's it's strange, but it's it makes me compassionate towards them in ways yeah. I would have been more abusive or verbally antagonistic towards before. Oh, yeah. For that reason. So I'm there till the bitter end. The church ends, basically, because it kept shrinking. He abused everybody out. It wasn't making money and being able to support his lifestyle anymore, for the most part. Though it probably would have if he had been faithful, even at a smaller shrinking number. Yeah. But it was never about the flock. It was never about honoring the Lord. It was always about career, self, prestige. The CD ministry that he hoped he could make money off of, turn into a radio ministry or whatever. The idea of writing books, which never came to fruition... This preaching that was really not great. Yeah, he wasn't a good public speaker. No, no, at I, all. I will say that if you had somebody with his abilities that he had learned from seminary and was genuinely, truly regenerate and truly faithful to the word, people overlook a lot of those foibles. Not everybody has to be a great preacher. Not everybody's a Charles Spurgeon. A lot of people fumble in ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their public speaking isn't the best, but they care more about you pastoring them. An excellent preaching. And he could have had a thriving congregation if he had been a faithful pastor, even with a lack of speaking ability. But when that was his moneymaker, and he was awful at it... And he wanted to make a CD ministry out of it when he stumbled so much that it was impossible to edit the things in a way that was... Pleasing, yeah. I did it his sounded, editing ministry for a while, and I it was just too. miserable. Yeah, you left, and then I got it. That was exciting. Yeah, and then and one of our other buddies got it and literally told Pastor Tom to his face, you just need to talk better then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then I think he quit doing the uh, editing ministry. His mom was a tither, too, so that's why I think yeah, he Yeah, and there's an interesting life. story with her, too, that we'll pop Dig in another it. podcast oh, later, yeah. another episode. So I'm there to the bitter end. All this abuse has been swirled in and out, varying degrees, people leaving, the churches atrophying. My wife just didn't want to go to church, so she used our children as an excuse to stay home. Mm-hmm. The kids aren't well, I'm not feeling well. Um, we had two children fairly close together, so within a, about 14-month time frame, two-year time frame, she's pregnant um, with our two sons. And so it was a valid excuse, but it was the one she used where she probably could have made it, but I get it now looking back. I kept going, doing my thing, and just praying that the Lord would fix her. Um, (laughs) And I myself, though I wouldn't say to the extent Pastor Tom was, was an abusive husband to some degree because I modeled my leadership in the home after him. I saw his wife as a lady who did it right or well and desired that for my wife, even though it was abusive, and she, she was stuck. His Pastor Tom's wife, I would say, was stuck. Number one, having multiple children. Not mm-hmm. that that's a bad thing. Children are a blessing from the Lord, but I believe he used it as a tool to manipulate her. Yeah, he staying. would weaponize any connection point he could. Yeah. 
and sometimes when it comes down to wanting money, if she's not saved as well, I don't know, then it's your source of income. He's promising you toys and things, whatever. So I can't speak for her, but those those all factor in mm-hmm. in some capacity. And when my wife wouldn't function or act in that similar manner, abusiveness would come out. And me generally, I'm one of my my uh, propensities is anger and lashing out. Mm. And that would uh, be justified. Being an angry man would be justified in the home because it's what the ordained one does. Yeah. So I built up behaviors that were bad that lingered for a long time after the church ended mm-hmm. in our marriage. And God's goodness, he's grown me through it. There's still you know, propensities there, but I know how to handle myself better and love my wife better in spite of the way <laughs> he exampled it. Yeah. So the church ends, and I remember the last day at church... We had it at the hotel we were at, which we you were still at. It ended there in that, that Same one place. ballroom. Yeah. Forty people, if everybody showed up at the last day, we'll say twenty people showed up, mm. 25, 30. And then we had a potluck back at their house, their two story mm-hmm. beautiful home with all this brand new cars and dirt bikes. Uh and hung out and fellowshiped and it was fun. The fellowship was always sweet because the mm-hmm. people loved the Lord. Even our homeless friend, remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was there just participating. Oh, man, the life. Yeah, we had a homeless guy who uh, came to church, found support, was loved, but a bizarre character. I would bet that he was saved before Pastor Tom. I wouldn't doubt it. But that's another, and once again, above our pay grade, yeah. based on fruit, based on what we've seen, but mm-hmm. I can't say for sure. Anyway. Church ends, and we were separated for seven years? Something like that. Eight years? Maybe even longer than that. I believe it was five years ago we reunited. Yeah, something like that. Our mutual friend who had stayed at the uh, church we split off of, yeah, he ran into you. At a conference. Yep. Randomly, and I remember seeing him walk up to me, and I'm like, "Oh dear Lord!" I, I saw him the first day at the conference because it was a few day conference, and avoided him like the plague. And then I saw him at a couple other things and stayed away from him. And then lunch, he came, saw me, and came up and said hello, and that was it. Just asked how I was doing, said hi. Third day of the conference, I had a a family member at the conference as well. I was chatting with, and he came up, and we just started talking. And the Lord just had been working on my heart. I'd been growing spiritually in some ways at our current church. And the Lord was doing a work in my life and growing me through all that nonsense, helping me think through it all, mature in ways I didn't think I needed to, um, (laughs) because I had it down from the uh, Pastor Tom experience, where you know it's bad if the Jimi Hendrix experience is better than the Pastor Tom experience. You know that's right. It's very true. And that night, because our mutual friend and I Hung out the whole day. And then that night, he sent you a photo of us together. Yeah, look who I ran into. And I called you on the way home. Yep. And then we chatted for the first time. We had chatted in close to a decade. Yeah, it was a long time. Eight years, seven, eight years. Something like that. So, and the thing I loved about it was the mutual friend and us, it was as though we had never missed a beat. Mm -hmm. In some strange way, it was as though... We hadn't seen each other for a couple of weeks and just reconnected. Yeah. That's a testimony of the Lord's goodness. Definitely. Um, and I totally understood the position you were in. Yeah. 
at Pastor Tom's church, and exactly like I, I had been through it. So I was just glad we got to talk again. I <laughs> I never thought I was going to see you again, and I had been praying for ever since I left that God would pull you out of that place, you know, and thank God, like you ended up getting out of it and we ended up reuniting, you know, that's uh it's a big deal because some people remain alienated from friends and family f- for a long, long time. And some, they some do. people never reconcile with friends and family after leaving an abusive situation like that. So um, it's a testimony to God's goodness that, you and I um, actually reunited after all of that. And uh, I, you know, never held any resentment at all. I never blamed you for anything because I, like I said, it made sense to me. It it was, yeah. You you understood. I, I just totally understood exactly what you were going through and what had happened. So it was, you know, there was like no explanation needed. Yeah. Really. But... I know you you were like very apologetic and I'm like, bro, I don't even care. Say <laughs> like, whatever, dude. Yeah. I'm I like, we, I get it. We connected mm-hmm. in person a couple weeks later, a week yeah. later, something like mm-hmm. that. That was just before you got married. Mm-hmm. Right around that time, right? It was just before, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I remember your home had a very bachelor pad feel where it does not now. Yeah, it was either right after I got married or right before I got married. It was right around yeah. there. So that's the long and the short of the story. The goal, as we've said from the beginning, is to talk about our experience, number one, to give a little insight to what it's like to be in an abusive environment. Mm-hmm. Culty, I wouldn't say full-on cult, but culty, spiritually abusive yeah. at best, mm-hmm. and how good believers, good Christians can get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the words of Paul in Ephesians, where he talks about not being turned by every wind of doctrine like children, being unstable. Mm-hmm. There's something about seeking maturity, growing in the Lord that gives stability, that prevents people like this from taking advantage, and then helps us to warn others who may be leading down that path as well, which is, which happens. It's just the way it goes. So any last things to add, Mike, before we sign off for this particular segment? Yeah, I mean, if you're questioning whether you're in an abusive church or a spiritually abusive situation and you're seeing warning signs... Um, just take heart, like, you're not crazy, you're not alone. This happens, I think, more often than we realize. Yes. Possibly. And, uh, you know, there's hope. It's There is hope for escape, for um, continued growth in the Lord, and for healing. So it's not... You might feel stuck, you might be afraid, but um, hang in there and you know, keep your eyes open and, uh, you know, trust the Lord as he leads you, and he will. The The Lord will definitely lead you if you trust him, so. And that's what it comes down to, is trusting mm-hmm. the Lord. And talk to other people outside of your circle. Yes. If you're in an abusive situation, those who are within the same abuse may not see things either. They may be deceived as well. It's okay to ask around. Yeah, because it's the water you swim in when you're in a place like that. If so, Solomon tells us constantly through the Proverbs that there's wisdom in many counselors, and he yeah. was the wisest man in the world. If the wisest man in the world deems there's a, an appropriate season or need to seek out other people's advice, the same is true for you. That's what it comes down to. 
So with that, I'm Steve. I'm Mike. This has been Rants and Revelations. I think more rant, maybe some revelations this time. Yeah, a little we'll, combo, you know. We'll, we'll swirl it. Yeah. We'll swirl it up. So we'll see you at our next episode where we dig in a little deeper to what... What's the topic, Mike, on the next one? I missed it. The next one is going to be... Let me pull it up here. I guess we could have done this housekeeping ahead of time. That's okay. It's going to be about... The suspense about, is making me sick. <laughs> it's going to be about how Pastor Tom wormed his way in to the church and into our lives and how he started uh, kind of setting himself up as a... Pontiff? Yeah, pontiff in, in the church and uh, how he instituted the don't talk rule at the original church. That's a big one. Yep. So the next episode is titled Don't Talk. <laughs> All right, well, take care. All right, take care.